Hey everybody, it's Jonathan Tony. Welcome to the podcast. I need a better introduction than that, but that's what we're going with for now. There are not many things in life I am good at. I often wonder this question, and I ask some friends, if you could teach a class on something, if somebody said, okay, you need to fill a week or a semester or even just a day worth of some kind of information that you feel you could teach, what would you teach? And a lot of people have different answers. I could teach cooking. I could talk about history. For me, I'm always like, I could... I don't know. I could talk about 90s sitcoms. I mean, that's something I know quite a bit about. The storylines and some of the jokes. I know a lot about just random stupid information. I'm really great to have on your trivia team for somebody like, hey, who can name all the Golden Girls? That's what you need Jonathan Tony there for. So there's not a lot of things I feel like I'm an expert on, if anything. But one thing happened uh, recently. Someone said, referred to comedy as my craft. My friend Mark did. And I was like, nobody has ever said craft before when referring to my comedy. So I took it as a huge compliment, and then I went in the corner and I cried for a little bit just thinking about my craft. So I don't know if comedy is my craft. I hope it is. It's something I try to do. I want to be good at it. I think I annoy a lot of people with it. But I also do think I've given some people some LOLs over the years. I'm very interested in it. And and throughout my life, starting around high school, I started performing in this uh little coffee house we had in downtown Ocala called Cafe on the Rock. And I started playing guitar. I was writing funny songs. I'd actually won, (laughs) not to brag, but I won first place in the state in comedy at a uh, fine arts competition when I was 15 years old. And that's when I peaked. And so I started doing comedy from there. And I would play at these coffee houses and I'd go to different churches and, and just play and do my thing. So that's when I would say I started performing comedies around 14 or 15 years old. But I never really did it in the professional circuit. I never was like, you know, these comedians we all know and love. I never had that New York life. It's something I've always wondered. And one of my biggest regrets in life is not moving to Chicago and, and trying to get in the improv scene there. It just never occurred to me, oh, you could go do that. So I would do my own comedy bits. I did it with bands and that kind of stuff. But that's kind of my history with it. So on and off, I've been performing comedy for, oh, my gosh. I'm Oh, man, I'm so old. <laughs> Almost 20 years. I just did the math. It's terrible. Um, but whether it be through writing books, blogs, doing podcasts, um, performing in front of my church, that kind of stuff. I, I, I love comedy. I, I do take it seriously. I, I spend time crafting this stuff. So all that to say, I have my friend Kyle Cromer on the uh, podcast today. He's my friend from D.C., and he actually started performing comedy after I left, which would have I wish he would have done it while I was there. He could have given me some introduction into the scene. We could have fought the scene together or taken, on, taken D.C. by storm. But I've watched him, you know, we kept keep up on social media and I watched him perform and I just was like, this would be so much fun to talk about, if anything, just because we both love comedy, but to hear what it's like for him as he performs uh, nightly and obviously nobody's really doing it right now with quarantine, but I just thought it'd be an awesome uh, episode to have. So I'm really excited to have Kyle on the show. I think you're really going to like this interview and we'll probably have Kyle back on in the future just because I love talking about this stuff. It's my craft, you know, so I take it really seriously. Um, But if you're a fan of comedy and you like stand-up comedy specials, you're kind of wondering what goes on behind that, what's it like for these guys when they're coming up with material, what's going through their mind on stage, what's it like to bomb? That's what this episode contains. Hope you enjoy it. I'm here with my old friend from... The district, as we like to call it. Do people still call it that, or did anybody ever call it that? I don't know if anybody ever called it that, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it still works, still works, still goes. I based it off a of district taco, which is like the best. <laughs> well, you don't actually live in the district. You live in, where you live, Arlington? Arlington, yeah. We live in what would have been the old district, right? But then Virginia decided to claim that whole half of the, half of the section, so we're good. We're, there you go. We're on I, the I Virginia should... side. I should probably say who this is. This is my friend Kyle Cromer. <laughs> and uh, we started hanging out, I think, around 2011, right when I moved up to D.C. Had some mutual friends and connected. And uh, it's been fun, like, watching uh, Kyle from a distance. Uh, I moved in late 2013. And Kyle has been in the stand-up comedy scene for how many years now? Uh, this would be number four, which is weird. Four? Man. Sheesh. Are you a veteran now? I think, I, to me, you're no. a veteran. <laughs> no. We'll no, get I'm more not. Of that. Um, but it's cool because Kyle and I always had this fun rapport. We'd crack, crack, crack wise, uh, crack, crack jokes. Wise. <laughs> 
joshing around. And uh, I always just thought he was so funny and so clever. And then on social media, he's got, he's just got something for every event that comes out. Kyle, if you hear about the news, somehow Kyle has predicted the news and he's already got a status out for you. One of the, one of the quickest, most relevant minds I know. Um, so I've been looking forward to this podcast for so long because we've been talking for a while, like, oh, we need to do one about comedy. And yeah. I he basically were waiting for me to set it up, I think. Like, yeah, sounds good. All right, I'll get with you. All right, it's going to be great. No, just <laughs> set it just up. Whatever, you're gonna, whatever you're done. <laughs> you're like, and then the quarantine happened. I literally have nothing going on. I'm <laughs> just waiting on you. <laughs> so, Kyle, let's talk comedy today. Uh, as yeah. you know, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, any, if anybody's listening that doesn't know me, which I think right now everybody that listens knows me. I would hope so. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I've done comedy for years, and I've never mm-hmm. done it in a professionally, like in a circuit. Uh, a lot of my comedy has been um, doing stand-up, but with, with music or just um, whether it's writing or doing internet stuff. But I've, I've performed quite a bit, but I would perform at like coffee houses or different churches, different events like that. But Kyle, uh, I've been watching with some jealousy because he's been out there just touring. And so tell us uh, you know, a little bit about what you're doing, and then we'll get into you know, where, where that started. So what you know, before the quarantine, what, what were you doing regularly? I know you were out there with a couple other comedians going around. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, so before quarantine, um, we were actually getting set to do a fourth year of, uh, the, uh, intern John, uh, peer pressure comedy show. There is, I don't know, I think actually you live in Jackson, you live in Jackson now, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Jacks, right? So Tampa has them syndicated, but uh, there used to be a morning show called The Kane Show. Um, and The Kane Show had a, you know, a, a, a secondary co-star down the line. His name was Intern John. Yeah. It got syndicated on about five or six East Coast stations, I think. Um, the big one, however, is up here in, in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. And every single year he would put together a... Um, benefit for the Fisher House, which you know helps military families um, that have a member in the hospital, maybe coming back from uh, a tour or something like that, maybe injured, and they help them out in different ways. Uh, so it was really a, a great benefit and stuff like that. And it was such a success the very first time he did it off, and he literally like slapped, hap slashed it together. It, it made no, it made no sense at the, at the beginning of it, but he found a way to turn it into something that hit four or five different cities every single year. So that's, we were working on that before, um, before all this happened uh, for, for another year. And besides that, I've been doing a lot of, you know, as any comic would do, uh, open mics with two people in it, uh, <laughs> bar shows with three people in it, uh, one heckler that's been drinking for the last 20 minutes, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and whatever thing I can get in the city. That's, that's basically it. That's awesome. Uh, so what spots are up in DC now? You go to DC improv. I know, um, they had the one comedy club I performed at that got shut down and turned into Penn social, which I think was yeah. a dynamite move. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So where, where do you like this? DC is known for a comp, like a lot of comedy specials are filmed in DC, but it's not when I was there, it wasn't like a thriving comedy. Like people don't come here to get their mm. comedy career started. No, they don't. Um, most people, there's a lot of comics that come out of here. Yeah. But there's not a lot of people that you don't, you don't go to DC. You go to DC for a political career. You don't go to DC right. for a comedy career. Um, right now, uh, still DC Improv's doing, doing great work. I mean, they're one of the leaders in Zoom, Zoom shows now. Like, really? Because we're all stuck in the house. So yeah. uh, everybody's doing Zoom shows. But there's DC dra- uh, Comedy Draft House. Uh, the Arlington Draft House. Yeah. Um, those ones are still staples that you can go into on any Friday or Saturday night and see real, like, legitimately, like, really good comics or people that are on their way up, or mm-hmm. maybe you might have seen them on, like, a, a Comedy Central thing. Paris uh, Sachet is from here. Um, you'll see her randomly around, um, nice. around town doing stuff. So it's it's interesting. So let's let's go way back in time. Like, what... When did you start realizing, like, I'm funny, I think I got something? And it's, this is, for, for those of you listening, when comics talk about being funny or funny people talk about, you always have this voice in the back of your mind, like, you're annoying everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it's, it's embarrassing to say, like, I'm funny, because there's so many people that say, I'm funny, and you're like, you're not funny, you're not good. 
But with that in mind, when did you start realizing like, okay, comedy is my outlet. And if you're like me, it was also your defense mechanism. Um, right. Well, when did that start forming? Have you always been like that? Or did you come out of your shell at a certain point? Um, I kind of always was like that. Uh, even as a kid, because I was a scrawny dorky kid. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even get like, I'm six one now. I didn't even get that height until like junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. So like, I just was, oh, I was awkward and getting like everybody else. So you do uh, tend to get your comedy chops defending yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in my family, my family is originally from New York and New Jersey. So really um, you're not even just cracking wise. Like you were talking about somebody's mama, you're talking and they're your aunt. Like it, that's, <laughs> you, you are, you are put through the ringer immediately. That's just the way we've always been. So that, that I've always had, but you know, as far as coming out of my shell, it really was, I moved up here um, to the DC area for my first, you know, big boy job, you know, yeah. get, a, get a tie on, make less than you're supposed to, that kind of a thing, <laughs> work at a desk. Right. Uh, and I had such like the worst time, mm. the absolute worst time. I was working in an industry I didn't like, um, for people that I really didn't like. And every single morning I would just like vent frustrations on Facebook, right? Like just literally like this dumb thing happened to me and here it is, here you go. And then that turned into friends and family going, why aren't you just taking all of those and say them on stage? And I'm like, I don't know, just, this is just me writing a dumb thing. I think is funny. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, you constantly fight with the, the, the voice in the back of your head telling you that, you know, this is stupid. Why are you doing this? You're an idiot. I can't believe you thought of that. That's, yeah. no one thinks that's funny. Uh, <laughs> and you just have to fight that voice and tell it to shut up uh, yeah. because you supposedly know better, even though you don't. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's something weird. I've always like, I, I don't know if it's a mantra, but I just, I've always told myself, like, if you think it's funny, then you you have to think it's funny because if not you're just out there like trying to please people and it's never funny because you can tell never you're funny. trying to serve everyone else so when you started doing stand-up comedy tell us about how you officially were like all right i'm i'm taking all these jokes i do this it's fun making my friends laugh on social media i'm gonna go stand in front of strangers and give this a shot so how did that get started that was literally my girlfriend well now my wife telling me that that was a weird idea like it literally was like, I'm, I'm going to show you yeah. I can do this. Um, <laughs> because, again, that's that's my life. You have to be able to uh, take massive amounts of criticism from people who love you. Like, that's just, <laughs> just the way I am. Um, she was like, oh, well, I'm going to be there. We're going to we're going to invite people. Let's do this. Right. Because that was her way of like, Amy, on to do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got. Because uh, when you're starting out, you do, you do bringers. Like, that's just what you do. You, yeah. If anyone doesn't know what that is, a, a bringer show is literally what it sounds like. You have to bring your own audience. Um, wherever that might be, it could be a hole-in-the-wall bar with no drinks in it whatsoever. You mm-hmm. have to bring 10 people to get on stage. And the, so, the, the reason for that is you have to basically sell yourself to the venue. Because they'll be like, we're right. not just going to let you get up here and do Like, what are you bringing? People are going to buy drinks. People are going to pay admission. You so that is a whole other separate factor of it of going out and be like, will you please come watch me? Come to my show, please. Yes, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I, a big ask too. Support. Yeah, it is because you're asking people to take you know a half an hour, an hour out of their time to come over and see you maybe do three minutes. Like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and pay that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, you pay. Yeah, here's five dollars. <laughs> I'll pay you to come see me so that way I can do this joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the first time I did that, it was three minutes. Um, it was three minutes. It was in a hotel bar, and it was on a show where the headliner was like 30 minutes long, mm. right? Wow. So it was on a show. The headliner was 30. It was 30 minutes, and I can't even remember the guy's name. Wow. The headliner was 30 minutes, and there was a group of about four or five of us, and they were like, oh, yeah, uh, since you guys are new, um, you had to bring 10 people. And you're only going to get three minutes. Mm. So I remember distinctly, like I thought I did really, really well. Right. But there was an old guy, like really old, octogenarian, old man. Right. <laughs> and this is not, not trying to sound ageist or anything because everybody's funny. But he got on stage and he said some joke to the effect of, I tried 
uh, me and my wife were having relations and no matter how hard I tried, I could just not get anything going. And then she said to just get off of her. And for some reason that did it. And like he didn't, it wasn't even a joke. It wasn't even a joke at all. But everyone starts dying laughing. Like wow. he can't get the rest of the joke off. He, he's sitting there for three minutes of complete like tears in her eyes laughter. Wow. For three minutes. And he's like, he's mad. Like he's literally like, I, like, I don't have another, I don't know why I was up here. I just, I just had to say my one line. Yeah. He sat down and I will never forget that moment because <laughs> I'm like, okay, none of this has to make sense. It doesn't yeah. have to make any sense at all. You don't have to think that everything's going to be great and, and hunky dory and everything's going to be all right. You're going to bomb. That's fine. Yeah. But I did okay. And that guy crushed. That's the power of comedy. I mean, and that's like, I think that's frustrating when you have, you've crafted a message and this is something I've actually been thinking about. And this is what, what plagued me through high school, middle school. Uh, in college is I was never the class clown. And I don't, I'm wondering if you're similar, like the class clown is a guy that sits in the back of the class and makes fart noises. And yeah, right. I viewed myself as a class comedian where I'm back. I was literally like writing out comedy skits and like ideas, yeah. like songs. I'm like, I'm crafting something here, you know? And so like <laughs> when somebody gets up there and just farts and they get this big laugh, you're like, they're not, they're not even trying. <laughs> trying. <laughs> There's no hook there. There's no progression of thought. What the heck? Um, I mean, but really, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a lot of comedy. You see the shock value, you see the um, people that just are naturally funny. And, and, and I don't hate all that either. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's sorry. I took away from, uh, that was just my <laughs> side. No, 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 no. I actually was going to ask you, I was going to ask yeah. you your opinion on that because uh, a lot of, a lot of folks in, in this genre of, of thing, mm. uh, you know, it's always this drive, like with Instagram and Facebook and social media, like you yeah. can get your own audience. I mean, yeah. you have a podcast right now. You didn't, you didn't pay Time Warner to put your podcast on their thing. Like, you know what right, I mean? Right. So you can get your own audience. But how does that jive with like Instagram comedians and yeah. people writing like really not like Vine, like people like I've seen incredible things on Vine. Like yeah. they're five seconds long that are the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But then there's like all of this other stuff there. Yeah. That people are just throwing stuff against the wall and see what happens. Like, what do you, it's like, it's what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It's cluttersville, you know, and it's, it's hard because it's great. Like you said, I didn't have to get signed for this. You know, I had, I had a radio show in college that I got Monday nights to do my own thing. But I mean, that was like a big deal. Like John gets to be on the radio and that's where I had to like learn to like talk to myself a lot more than I had growing up. Uh, <laughs> and so it's, it's awesome because everybody gets a shot now. Like you get your five minutes, you can get out there. And you see some people that are like really good uh, that, that get well known, but then you get people that like, I'll tell you the thing that annoys me more than anything right now is the office memes where they rely on basically people's love of the office and they make some crappy joke. Like here's Kevin spilling the chili. This is yeah. what it's like, you know, when you walk home and your wife isn't ready for dinner, just something stupid. And it's TFW. got like, yeah, it's got like eight bajillion likes on it. And you're like, I've, and you know how this is when you post stuff on, on Facebook or whatever. You're like crafting this uh, status. I'm sending it to friends. I'm like, is this funny? Would you word it this way? And I put yeah. it out, all this work into it. And I'm like, all you had to do was post an office meme or something like that. Um, and I remember thinking like, there's no coming back from this. When people would send me Vine compilations, they're like, this mm -hmm. is so funny. And I was just like this. I hate all of this stuff. It's just <laughs> people calling, you know, and I remember thinking when Twitter first came out, I'm like, this is kind of cool. You have to be quick. You have to make a one-liner joke. Um, but over time I've become more of a, a writer, I guess, or storyteller type thing. And I want to have some substance. So it's been harder for me to, to be brief. And that's why like, you know, when you have three minutes to do your comedy bit, that's, mm -hmm. that's not that much time. You're up there. You basically have to do a couple one-liners. They don't really get to know anything about you. Um, and so I love like comedians like Dimitri Martin, uh, Mitch Hedberg, yeah. those are one-liners, but those guys, I feel like to do that well, you're up in a genius level, um, oh. atmosphere. But yeah, and it's, it's yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, and so for people like me, then I'm like, I the people, some of the comedians I love the most, probably that I aspire to be like, are ones that use comedy to make a point and comedy to take you somewhere. Comedy to make you think like, oh yeah, it's true. While you're laughing, I aspire mm -hmm. to be that. I don't think I'm anywhere close to it. But um, to answer your original question, yeah, the internet comedy it drives me nuts. And some of it's funny. Like some of it, if you can yeah. get somebody to laugh. And but but that comes back to your point about the guy that got up there and made a 
wasn't even a joke, but it got a laugh. That's really the point of comedy. If it gets a yeah. laugh, I mean, that's really the goal. But it, and we'll get into this a little bit more later too about the messaging of it all. But um, yeah, it drives me as, I, what do you think? Oh yeah, no, I, I, I just was asking. I mean, again, no, no shade to, to Instagram comedians, no sure. shade to anybody. Like, like if you're on TikTok and you're crushing it, like, please yeah. keep doing that. Like, yeah. I completely understand. I, I completely get it. Like, I'm jealous. Is kill, what it. <laughs> kill it. I'm jealous. Right. Like I'm supremely jealous. Yeah. Um, but you're, but this, the same thing of like, you know, how do you get to be, you're talking about two dudes that I absolutely love, like Demetri Martin and, and, and Mitch Hedberg, like, you know how many one-liner jokes they had to go through and oh, write yeah. to get, to, to get to temporarily stairs, like an escalators, temporarily stairs, <laughs> right. like, so many and i yeah. i can't i can't do one-liner comedy like yeah. that's so many there's so many ideas that you have to throw out because yeah. it just doesn't fit in the one line i'm like i, I and it's kind of bad too because they said they tell you when you start doing comedy you're supposed to like keep your thoughts right but remember none of it's important so you can just leave stuff out you can mm-hmm. you can x stuff out and i think everything that i make is gold even though it's not so <laughs> right i'll i'll have whole notebooks full of stuff like oh this is a funny this is so funny why didn't i why didn't i think this was why didn't nobody think this is funny this is, this is hilarious and I'll, <laughs> right. and I'll work on it for a month and then be like this is not i have nothing for this there's nothing yeah. there's no way to make this funny yeah 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 it's it's so tell me about your first gigs when you get up there you're you're learning how to create content because it's one thing to just like talk about the news or whatever like any trending article it's in that but it there's not a shelf life on that kind of stuff so as you're crafting your content you know we're in an age like where you can always talk about trump you can always talk mm, about some of these yeah. bigger overarching issues but i was talking to my friend the other day i'm like man i forgot we had a whole impeachment thing i mean that was just like yeah two months, two months ago, ago. <laughs> you know i'm like that feels like distant history now so as you're crafting your comedy you're you're building your set and one thing a lot of, I think people don't realize is, you know, when you see a comedy special, this has been at least a year or so of them doing sometimes five gigs a night. Like yeah. Kyle said, grinding this stuff out, working through it, like working on this stuff, refining it. And then you get maybe an hour, you know, and that's coming off of like hours and hours of content. So how was it for you? Like learning how to like, Oh, I got to craft content that I can do multiple times. You know, go, take us through your first shows, like the bombs. Like, what what worked? What did you refine? How did you develop a set? Uh, the developing a set is is hard. Developing developing five minutes, yeah, is the longest six months. You'll t- <laughs> like it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, okay. it, you 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 basically spend most of your time, and literally, like you you think you got an idea for something, and you'll say that idea on stage. And it might get a chuckle, but then even while you're on stage, you'll think of ways in which you could make that better. Mm-hmm. Or when you get off it, the worst part is when you get off a stage and you think of a totally great tag. And again, oh, yeah. for people who, who don't know that a tag is a thing you add on to the end of the joke that like adds power to the joke. Um, so if you've heard someone say something that you thought was really funny and then they added something else to, to continue that same thought, that's a tag. Yeah. Um, you'll think of tags after like you'll be sleeping at night um and then wake up in the middle of a dead sleep and be like oh crap i should have said that and then yeah. ride down and go back to sleep um but <laughs> and that's something like i i guarantee you have the same instances your wife is just like what's wrong with you you're just in a bad mood and i'm like i just worded this like this way i, I missed this whole opportunity and like i'll never get it back <laughs> you're up no, you're in the morning. it's the yeah, it's the internet no i'm never it's never gonna come back around to me <laughs> yeah, like yeah uh yeah no it, doing those first like even now even now um i have probably 15 to 20 minutes of like there's a joke there's a joke there's a joke there's a joke it all flow it all flows together right and that's after four years i have like 15 mm. 15 maybe 20 minutes yeah. right like it's it's easy to think of things. It is hard to craft everything else around it. Yeah. And those first shows doing stuff, I was, I like, man, this is, this is so funny. And then you say the joke and like, everyone's laughing. Great. Now what? Mm-hmm. There's, I couldn't get like segues. I couldn't get, um, I couldn't get like my language or my style down. I was trying different things. Uh, 
How do you know if you're a, a one-liner comic if you don't try one-liners? How do you yeah. know if you're a storyteller if you don't try storytelling? Although I, I still say that everyone should try and do a story, like try and do storytelling of some sort. I think it yeah. helps everybody, but you don't know if that's your thing. Like, yeah. But for me, um, I've always tried to keep it to my voice. Whatever I think is interesting or bad or off, or something and that's why I think things like observational comedy tend to last a lot longer because they're things that everyone deals with I mean you could we could sit here and talk about Jerry Seinfeld right mm-hmm. like <clears throat> the young kids don't really like Jerry Seinfeld that much the older people do like Jerry Seinfeld a lot right because just that joke joke set the setup joke punchline kind of uh formula he has is almost like if you look up in a dictionary this is how you tell a joke yeah yeah right very bob hope it's very bob hope bob hope it's it's this it's this it's this ha 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 it's this it's this it's this so again a lot of younger people don't but i always tell them to watch those older guys because those ones will always be funny like it, it may not be as funny as other stuff yeah. But you can, okay, here's the thing. Here's odd about it. Why don't they just do it like this? Yeah. Isn't that funny? That is kind of funny. Like, it's, yeah. it's sounds like you're, you're given a lot of, you know, extra fluff to somebody who doesn't need it. But those guys have been doing that very same thing for years and years and years. Yeah. And just getting those basics down, you can just branch off and do a million different other things, especially for stand-up. Yeah. Did you see Seinfeld's newest stand-up? I actually did not. I have not seen... I haven't had time to watch anything. <laughs> since like They told me, quarantine, we weren't going to be doing anything. I know, like, right? Work was going to be easier. It's not. They just work you more. I don't, yeah. I don't get I know. it. They're like, hey, now you don't have to commute. I bet you can do all this extra work now. <laughs> extra work now. Yeah. No, you do an hour in a car? No. Not yeah, anymore. exactly. I'm, I'm curious what what you would think of it um because i watched it and I, you know I, everybody loves seinfeld if, even if you don't yeah. love him you look up to him but it was it was remarkable to me and i'm like this guy's been doing this for 40 something years maybe more and mm-hmm. he is the exact same comedian he was in the 80s like yeah. what's the you know we we run faster mm-hmm. to run slower and why we yeah. have to you know and i remember thinking i'm like i'm not laughing but i respect the craft of the like i you could just the tell, joke like, right this dude sat down with his yellow notepad and he's like, I have to grind this thing out and find the hook and what's funny about this, you know? So it's, right. it is interesting to see how comedy's evolved and, and, you know, like to go back to what you were saying earlier about uh, being in this internet age and everybody's got a voice. Um, I, I do wonder what's going to stick around, which comedians are popular now. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of nostalgia, even people like on Instagram, like the fat Jewish, I think he had a big, scandal because he was just stealing other people's content stealing jokes yeah and you can kind of get away with it because there's like there's so much to digest so much to download right. um so when it comes to uh that short attention span of people what what do you see in the future doing stand-up of, assuming we uh we go back into clubs right. um, <laughs> my my thought is that there's there's a power though that comedy clubs have that nowhere else has um and like internet humor you could have 70 billion fans but if you go do a live set, it's completely different. Different. And it's again, it comes back to being like the class clown versus a class comedian. And comedians have to, like you said, grind this stuff out over years, craft this stuff versus get up there and do improv. And so when you're doing your shows, um, you know, I like to have like a baseline of jokes. And even when I'm doing like other podcasts and stuff, I, I think the baseline is good. And then anything that happens on top of that is bonus. Um, yeah. So as you've crafted, like does stuff come to you in the moment? And then you add it in later or, you know, what, what's when you're on stage performing, what, what's going through your mind? What are you thinking about? Um, when I'm on stage performing, I am normally thinking about my, my timing is actually the thing I'm mostly thinking about because I've screwed up wonderful jokes that I messed up because of timing. Hmm. Um, I'm constantly thinking about timing. Uh, you know, how long I'm on stage, how long I'm staying on a topic, what, you're right. There is a baseline. I have a baseline of these four jokes I'm going to say. I'm going to say these four jokes. I know the segues between these four jokes. But if something happens, I have a tree or a branch that I can go off on and come back oh, on. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of jokes that I have that are not, they're not open-ended, but 
you can take them in multiple different directions mm-hmm. and they end up being a minute joke that ends up being five minutes. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had to be on stage where, you know, Oh yeah. You know, I, I prepared five minutes. Okay, good. We only, we got 15. Do you want 15? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take 15, yeah. but I don't have 15 minutes worth of jokes. Yeah. So you try and figure it out from there. Um, one of the things I've always, I've now do, which I didn't do before when I first started was crowd work. Um, I stunk at crowd work and this is someone who I talk to people all the time and I, I stunk at crowd work. I didn't know like what to do with it. Um, Tell us about that. How did that start? What it, and what were your first, you know, first go rounds like? But for crowd work, crowd work, when I realized that crowd work is easy if you let the crowd do the work for you, like literally make the crowd work, wow. not yeah. you do the crowd work. Mm-hmm. It's way easier when you figure it out because people tell you, people tell you the most deepest, darkest secrets in the middle of a hot auditorium <laughs> with a thousand of people in it. It's, yeah. and then you, you're, you're just picking at them, mm-hmm. you know, like they decide or hecklers, like they decided they want to be part of the show. Yeah. Right. So here you go. Here's your moment. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to you. And the nice thing about that is, is that if you do it right, you know, it's not, you're not particularly mean spirited, right? But like, I mean, yeah. if you got a, if you got a point to make, you only got time, you got to move. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. But like, if you're, if you're particularly mean spirited about it, like people don't normally react that well, mm-hmm. but if you do it in a way in which you basically get everybody on your side, yeah. um, everybody on your side, then, then it just, it's magic. Yeah. You know, and uh, one day I hope to be as good as someone like uh, Bill Barr, who can make an entire crowd hate him, and still, and st- yeah, and still they're like, "That was the greatest show I've ever been to in my life. This yeah. is amazing," you know, and yeah. literally have the entire crowd hate you. Yeah, I mean, one day I'll make it to that magical plateau, to that, yeah. to that, to that place. But I, I haven't got there yet. But crowd work—if you let the crowd do the work for you. Mm-hmm. is way better uh, i love that idea you trying to make then you're trying to make it funny like you, you don't have to make it funny right people just kind of are funny if you think about it that's that's such a unique take on that and i've never thought about like letting the crowd do it for you because i i've doing i do a lot of crowd work of mine because yeah. a lot of what i do is um, for a long time my my comedy and i don't really do it that much anymore but is is based around songs and it was the story that set up the song but i would find myself doing playing like the same shows for the same people over and over and mm-hmm. over and so i was always like i gotta reinvent this thing and so i start i would start like stopping my song halfway through and then just mm-hmm. calling out somebody in the crowd and it's and so that's just one version of crowd work but what kyle's talking about is just like somebody's yelling something out in the crowd and you you basically stop mid-sentence or mid-set and you you turn the spotlight on this person person and yeah and it and it the whole crowd is just like, oh, this is this unexpected thing. Like I came here to stare at the stage, and now we are interacting with the crowd. But you're right; they'll you're, these people will just say anything. And the other thing is, like, they weren't ready to do this, and so no. you've got them off guard. You've got them off their game, and it, it would almost seem like oh, it's a chance for you to just take a break. But your mind is probably moving in a whole different direction, like trying to get yeah. ahead of where they're coming from. But you're right; when it works, it's like the highest high. You're just like. I just discovered plutonium like in this yeah crowd. you feel like you yeah, you feel like you 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 changed the world or something yeah. like you, you you cured cancer like yeah. it's because it's not supposed it's completely random yeah. it's completely random and that portion of it I think people like like yeah they don't want to just they want to obviously like they came they paid money they want to see some jokes man tell some right. jokes funny man like yeah. they do but there are certain points to certain instances where you can throw something out there like that and get five minutes of everyone dying laughing because someone decided that you know like I was talking about my wife one time and then this guy in the front row was like oh yeah my wife does that too I'm like sir are you sure you want to say that right now in front of all these people (laughs) right and then like his wife comes up and says like yes he does and then like everybody's like oh my god and then like you're you're just keep on going like you guys are doing great down there what's your name like you're you're not doing anything yeah because people just general some a lot of people are just generally just funny human beings like yep. they're not trying to be funny they just yeah. kind of are so just l- let them go for like a minute and then you're just tacking on stuff to them and then you can move on to something else yeah right yeah. i mean the only thing that sucks is when you have like 
85 hecklers. If you've got like a bunch of hecklers, <laughs> that stinks. Oh uh, yeah. That stinks. But I've never understood the heckler. And I think a lot of it has to do with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what's cool about if you can like, you know, use that against them, like heck, and, and we've all heard the line. Like I remember my first beer and like some of the zings yeah, you yeah, get yeah, at them. Yeah. But what's funny is like when someone starts heckling, everybody hates them like their everybody girlfriend is just like oh god like god, what, yeah. how much did you drink you know and so it, it does give the comedian advantage at that point but the pressure is on because now it's become like basically a rap battle like you've had yeah. to destroy this person or figure <laughs> out a way to get him to shut up <laughs> so you get him to shut up right yeah but, but you get these and, go ahead no i was just saying like it, the my easiest my easiest go-to is just that like it's like dude you're you're in a fight with a dude with a microphone like <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. are you are fighting you are ice skating uphill sir like that yeah. is there's as long as you, like everyone knows like i have the mic like what are we talking about here yeah there's such a power you're right to have that microphone and everyone's like kind of on your side too i remember i was doing a show yeah. i was doing songs and uh this dude decided to stand right up in front of the stage it was like an open setting there's probably like, mm -hmm. like you said like three people there but um he was just right in front of the stage it was just me and my guitar and uh, I would like do an intro or an ending to a song. He's like, oh, that's predictable. Uh, like just kept saying crap. And after yeah. the second song, I was like, hey, if anybody wants to be creeped out, this dude's down. And like, <laughs> it's, like and he just like turned and like walked away. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but it's, the crowd work stuff is, is the best because it's, um, you know, it's just a spontaneous thing and you'll never get those Organic. moments back. You can't recreate that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, who are your who are your influences in comedy and because i think everybody looks to um these comedians that they love but when you're starting out it's impossible not to emulate the people you like uh mm -hmm. but then i want to talk about like finding your own voice through it but unfortunately for me when i was starting out i think i was 20 maybe 19 and dane cook was huge and mm -hmm. so i look back and i'm like oh my god you wanted to be dane cook of all people <laughs> like not like i mean but he worked dane, at dane, the time though dane yeah. cook's got jokes like I, yeah. we we don't like dane cook because you know he seems to date underage women and yeah and, he got and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff not to like about my dane favorite cook. comedians dane cook bill cosby <laughs> louis ck yeah, yeah right like <laughs> there's a lot of things to not like yeah yeah right? but like dane, dane cook was killing people yeah like for real killing people when we were when we were that age like so yeah. i like i'm not like again i'm not gonna like mad the man for for no, crushing, no, you're right, you're right. at that time but comedy influences again you talk about like people's mount rushmore and stuff like that yeah. and like mine are like really thoughtful black comedians and not that there aren't other ones but like you know dave Chappelle, wanda sykes yeah i love because like they're there it's really well thought out like yeah. the stupidest joke is really well thought out. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, like Brian Regan, I don't know. Oh, nice. If, I I used to love Brian Regan. Yeah. Um, because again, another one of those like, here's a thing. Here's what's odd about that thing. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be odder if this thing happened? And like. <laughs> That's Every great. single time he he nails it. Like I've never thought about that. You broke it down. It's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. He's it's 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 something so mundane. And here is this big expansive thing that you never thought of. Yeah. And then off of this one little thing, uh, he tells a joke about um he tried to go to the gym. Uh and again, this is a really simple, just like a street joke. Like it's so yeah. simple. But it's like I, I tried to go to the gym. And I was working out and I just could not get anything right. And then the guy, and then the gym worker came by and asked me to get off the painter's scaffolding. Like that kind <laughs> of, and it was too, it was a throwaway joke. Like yeah. it, it's not something that you would use for some, but he had it in there and it's just so funny to me. Yeah. That little, that little tiny thing. So yeah, Juana Sykes, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Brian Regan, I'm trying not to use Bill Cosby, but you can use Bill Cosby. Like, oh, well, let's talk about Bill Cosby's how, a terrible person. Like, oh my gosh, absolutely but, terrible person. Horrible. But if genius. you want to know how to write a joke, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, terrible. Like, please put him under the jail. But yeah, <laughs> but if you want to know how to write a joke, listen, listen to it. It's it's funny. If you're not um, into comedy, let me break this down. What this feels like for people that love com comedy. It's like if Jeffrey Dahmer invented air conditioning. 
Sing, yeah. You're like, God, he's a horrible person, but this is a pretty great thing you gave us. And you gave us, man. Thank, like, thanks for that. Uh, don't ever come back. We don't, we don't care. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for this. Yeah. Um, I mean, but the, his, his album himself is some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard where he talks about uh, going to the dentist and then the whole getting drunk experience and children. And um, yeah, I mean, well, especially in his time, too, to be a black comedian, yeah. in, like 60s and 70s and, and rise to fame like that. I mean, and it was unheard pull that of. off. Yeah. The, the children feeding the children chocolate cake because it has all the ingredients yeah. of breakfast in it. Yeah. Like, again, that sounds so stupid now. Like, yeah. now, like oh, why? Oh, anybody could have thought of that. No one yeah. was thinking of that. Yeah. It sounds dumb until it happens. And then you're like, oh, crap. We were right there the whole time. How is that? How? And that's what Jim Gaffigan does, too. I'm like, yeah, Jim, you, Jim Gaffigan. What is, how, did how did you pull, make me cry laughing talking about ketchup? And, and I want to talk about influences for a second. I'm, I'll, put my two cents in um but it's it's hard because i love there's comedians i love like jim gaffigan and um you know the one-liner guys but mm -hmm. i try to emulate them and it and it just comes out terrible because it's not my voice so it's not your voice um tell, so when you started doing comedy like how how soon did you feel like okay this is my style like this is who i am you know you got Chappelle, wanda sykes like mm -hmm. did you emulate and it's impossible not to emulate them but when do you feel like you you got down like this is how I do comedy. When I figured out that, so this is going to sound weird, right? But like, I feel I'm a better writer than I am a stand-up comic. Oh, I so get that. Yeah. once I figured out that I tend to write jokes out better, right? I figured out what my voice is in the writing and then made that the voice on stage. So like when I'm writing something in, You'll see me on Facebook or something like that if I write something political or something that's on news, on mm -hmm. something news related, right? I am writing in the voice of myself, but myself is just a regular, is like a regular guy who has a, who's not an everyman, but just a guy mm -hmm. and doesn't take himself too seriously, like knows, a, knows some stuff about some stuff. Knows enough to get in trouble, but not enough to know everything in a possible in a possible world it might be. Right. Um, he's he's black. He wears glasses. Like it's uh, another influence would be W. Kamal Bell would be another one for this because that's again another well thought out every man kind of a person. Mm -hmm. um, and once you once I figured out that like I need to just write the jokes down and say what I wrote, not like try and make it zany or like try and make it wacky because that's not me. Yeah. Uh, once I figured that out, then everything started going faster. So I could just literally write out why I thought the thing was funny and then write down all the tags with it. Again, tags, stuff that you would, additional jokes, like yeah. write down all the jokes that came to me while I was going and then do it that way. And then again, you're worrying, at least for me, I was more and more about timing. So I was looking at those, those other comedians, the, the, the Jim Gaffigan's, the, the Zach Galifianakis's, the, the John Mulaney's and figure out what the timing of it is. Yeah. And that's the other thing that, you know, blows your mind is when you nail the timing of a joke. Yeah. Um, once you get that stuff down, then it starts becoming like, okay, it's second nature. I can figure out this I can figure out this. Yeah. Um, you have your, your flow, you have your, your rhythm. So Kyle's, so Kyle's talked a couple of times about timing and what that is, is, and you might have a different definition, but it's basically, you could have, you know, it's the way you would read a book. You could fly through it. But a lot of comedy is in, most of comedy, I would say, is in the, the yeah. delivery of it all. And you let the audience hang for a minute, like silence. You use that silence. Um, but it's the, the cadence and how you deliver a joke. And so is, is that how you kind of define it as, like, making sure yeah. you're not talking over yourself, flying, flying through the jokes? Yeah, it's the, the cadence, the timing, um, and then different jokes have different timing. and diff It's... It's like listening to music. Like, yeah. you know, heavy metal's different than contemporary. Rap's yeah. different than hip. Rap is different than hip hop in, in lots of cases. There's yeah. people have different flows. Like it, it is, and that's why I think that's really cool. Like, I was super, always super jealous of Jonathan because of the fact that he could play music. <laughs> um, so he was a funny person that could also play music. And there's such a collaboration on that. There's such a natural joining of those two things, music and comedy. Mm -hmm. together because of the fact that comedy has a timing and a rhythm yeah so yeah i completely agree with you 
Uh, it's that cadence. It's whatever that it's jokes have different and jokes can have different laughs based on how you did the cadence of it. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the hard things about doing musical comedy. And I've, there's some people that do it really well. Fly the Concords, probably yeah. on my Mount, Mount Rushmore, especially their, their comedy uh, performances. I mean, the show's funny and their songs are funny. Mm. But what I picked up from them was like, oh, you make the actual performance part of the, the joke. Uh, and that's why it's stop songs. But, because like you can't just sing the same chorus three times in a song and it's always going to get a laugh. They kind of know where, the, where it's going and stuff. So, so twisting that up, that's part of timing to me is making an awkward pause. And sometimes when you're just talking uh, and you, you hit a pause the right way, the crowd kind of jumps ahead of you and yeah. they know where it's going. And then you can take it another way. Um, and that's, that's part of the live element that where you can almost like switch it on people. Um, so I, I want to make sure I talk about this. I, I think I, I meant to say it earlier. Let's talk about bombing. Because uh, I have this theory <laughs> that every person should do five minutes of stand-up at an open mic night at least once in their life. And mm-hmm. you might be actually good at it and be, it's probably mm-hmm. a fun experience, but there is nothing like the awkward silence of like 50, oh, 20 people. And this is my thing with comedy. And this is, this is kind of why I would do um, open mic nights at coffee shops, because if you get up at a comedy cellar or a comedy club, they mm-hmm. don't have a hookup for your guitar. They have nothing, but people are all sitting there like ready to make us laugh at comedy. Make us at, laugh. Yeah. At a, at a coffee shop. It's like, you've just listened to five white kids cry through their poetry. And then you yeah. get up and do, com- I think you came <laughs> to my show at bus boys and poets at one time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was hysterical. Yeah. yeah. It was, but it was like so out of left field. So with comedy though, at, at a traditional venue or a comedy night, people are waiting. They're watching yes. you saying make me laugh if you listen to a musician people can be talking in the back having drinks like oh you mm. you were great like we kind of were listening and whatever but in comedy everybody is zeroing in on you and you have to make them do this involuntary thing which is make me yeah. laugh it's terrifying and inevitably you get some crickets and silence tell us about those moments for people that have never bombed on stage what's going through your head and then Tell us about the entire night afterwards because it's a whole, there's a whole lot more to come from it. So I remember distinctly the, the, is it the best bomb I ever had? Or the, I shouldn't even <laughs> say like the worst bomb, like the yeah. best bomb I ever had. Cause you, you bombed constantly. Yeah. Um, uh, the best bomb I ever had was in Virginia. I drove, I took my, again, my, my wife, my then girlfriend, my wife out to Virginia. I was doing a show for a guy over here runs a, a capital city showcase he's now a really good friend of mine he's very very nice he he let me get on a show out there and it was my first big one i got a i got ten dollars to drive uh <laughs> 50 miles out in the middle of virginia yeah um to this um it was a barn they had the town it was a it's Virginia, right? So like, it's all, all horse, all old horse farms and stuff like that. People with lots of money that can own, I don't know, 18 horses for some weird reason, whatever. Right. Like (laughs) they had taken an old barn and turned it into a concert venue. Mm -hmm. And I remember distinctly going in there and there was two black comics. It was me and another guy named Jamel Johnson, uh, who's from here. And I went before him because obviously he's seasoned, like he knows what he's doing. I went before him and I had 10 minutes and I was telling jokes related to being black to a 95% white audience. (laughs) And the 95% white audience that has nothing to do with the city. Like I can perform in a white audience, but it has never been to a city. doesn't like black people don't live in their neighborhood. They're at, it's a horse farm. Like they're, they, they don't have anything. So to say I bombed on the first joke, right? There was an audible coughing like that could be heard <laughs> in the back, uh, right? Like there was two black people in that entire crowd and like they're like hee hee like chuckling, but yeah. not really laughing because again there're only two black people in this <laughs> you crowd. You don't want to like 200 yourself. <laughs> you don't want to out yourself uh and I didn't know then that you could, I could just talk to those two if that's the only jokes I had. Like, there's certain things that you could do. Yeah. I heard audible coughing. And I'm trying to get through the rest of the set. And they're giving me, like, a timid chuckle, like, every other joke. 
and I'm moving so fast that my 10 minutes turned into five minutes. So then I had five <laughs> minutes of nothing. Yeah, this is like put, the. You put time in there for, oh, they'll probably laugh at that. That's they'll probably laugh at this. And yeah, <laughs> I can branch off this way, but that's not working. Yeah. Uh, so my 10 minutes turned into five minutes of actual material. And then I didn't have anything else after that. <laughs> I didn't know how to crowd work. I didn't have oh, anything man. after that. I literally was up there and be like, okay, well, you know, my name is Kyle Cromer. Have a great night. And like left four minutes on the table. And I'm so happy that Christian, uh, name's Christian Hunt. He, he's over here in DC. That man's wonderful. He let me perform again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're good friends now, but that was not a good set at all. Mm. Um, and then what made it worse, the, 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 the kicker to it was the guy after me, Jamel, we were talking about earlier, got up there and he's killing. Mm. He's out, he's mur- and he's murdering with the same type of jokes. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, what did I do wrong? Like, what was, how did I mess this up? Yeah. Um, and so you, you replay it in your head, you're going over jokes, you're trying to figure, like, what did I screw up? Mm-hmm. Um, and those teaching moments are like, are, again, they're gold. Like, yeah. you, it, feels, it feels crappy for a little while. And yeah. then after that, you start realizing, okay, well, I got that done. I can now do it again. Yeah. You get this fearlessness, I think. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, I do sales for a living and it's, I use elements of standup in sales and even if I'm not trying to make them laugh, but like mm. you bomb out on a sales call. I did one. I got stopped by everybody and my friends that were at work, like, are you okay? I was like, dude, I've stood in front of people that like, I can see these people and they hate me, you know? Um, yeah. doesn't mean it feels good. You don't want it to happen, but when it does, right. it gives you uh, and that's why I tell everybody that they need to do it because if you can make it through that and then you can get back up there and do it again. Do it again. Um, yeah. And so there's like a bit of, I think when you bomb, you have a horrible show and you, part of you that later that night is like, I suck. I'm never going to do this again in my life. I'm never going to do this again. But then you almost want to be like, prove yourself that you can do it. But, but I think the thing that keeps comedians going and tell me if this is true for you is that when you get live laughter, it's the biggest high in the world. Like oh, there's yeah. nothing that's, I mean, I've never tried heroin, but I assume it's pretty good. It's gotta be close. It's gotta be close. <laughs> but is that what yeah. keeps driving you uh, to keep going? And you know, it's it's different on internet. Like you know, on the internet, if you get like likes, and that kind of feels good. But yeah. there's nothing like that live laughter. No, there isn't. I mean, there really, there really isn't. Especially if you if you know a punchline's coming and the punchline kills. Yeah. Like oh man. It it feels so good. It feels yeah. so good. It's and you were talking about it earlier when you were saying like, you know, a lot of aspects of comedy are the twist, the, yeah. the twist at the end of the joke, the taking it in a different direction, um, uh, the crowd getting ahead of you to the joke you're about to say. Yeah. Right, and then you completely flipping it on them or them agreeing with you because they went along with you to get to the end of the point that you're making. Yeah. Like it's, it is like being in a thousand Ted talks and like everyone's (laughs) just hanging on your every word. Yeah. It's, it is such a great, great, great feeling. And to have someone come up to you after the show and not even do like the whole, like, Hey, you know, like the set, man. Hey, you know, thanks. Appreciate it. Right. But like that joke you told about Captain America, Mm. like I was crying and that's the one that they left with yeah you know they left with one joke and they'll always be like you know what i remember that one time we saw this guy i don't remember his name he was talking about how captain america might be a racist like there's (laughs) (laughs) there's 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 something there's something about that um and that's why like you know we were talking about you know fat jewish or like people stealing jokes that's why people feel so adamant about it because yeah stolen you you got a joke you got a joke that you wrote and that joke got a gajillion likes like so many people thought it was funny mm-hmm. and then someone uses it and you're like i gave that effectively away to the universe i gave you the polio vaccine i gave it away for free <laughs> yeah. yeah why are you taking why are you using it to make money like right that right. like you you got a great one off yeah like I gave it here. Here you go, world. Yeah. The world is a better place because that thought is out there. Yeah, and they know? broke into your cellar and they stole right. this thing that you had mined and like, and then didn't, didn't cut you no check. Didn't cut some other resource <laughs> something. Yeah, that's a great point you you mentioned about like you know you get those 
the people that come up after the show and in the live laughter, I remember one woman told me after a set was like, I just got surgery. You made me laugh so hard that I'm, I'm leaking. I was like, That's <laughs> disgusting, but, I, but I'll never forget that. Um, and it makes up for all the other hell. And it, there's just such a power you have when a set's going well, when a set's dying, you just want to die. Yeah. Right. Just but you, uh, one thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, you're so right about having those, those moments in your set. You're like, okay, this can all suck and get dead air, but I know if I can just get to this, it's like you're swimming through a river and they're like, I know my, this joke is my island and I'm just going to get yeah. there. And, I'm, and it's, it's so true because you're like, I know, I know it's gold. And then it, when it hits, you're like, I've, I've, I worked this entire room. You guys are all work for me, you know? Me, yeah, right. <laughs> I own this place. Yeah. I'm yeah. shutting this place down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, uh, it's, you, see a, you see a basketball player get hot for five minutes while yeah. shooting and then like, and just, if you've ever seen Steph Curry get hot for two minutes in a yeah. basketball game, it's, it's that same feeling uh, only for less athletic people. So <laughs> yeah. like, that's it. You, you see Jordan make the shot over Craig Elo. Yeah. It's that only you can't shoot. Like it's, it's that feeling. Right. Right. Um, no, you're exactly right. Um, well, we're probably wrapping up here in a sec. I want to talk. Yeah. I think we'll do another episode of this. So much fun. Um, Kyle and I could probably talk for please. like 12 hours, 12 hours on this. Yeah. Yeah. Please. But, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the power of comedy and, um, you know, especially in, in social media era and, and everybody's got opinions about everything. What do you, do you like using comedy as an escape route? Like, I just want to be like Jerry Seinfeld and talk about notebooks or do you like to use it to get your point across too? Um, how do you, how do you see your comedy, um, in, in general? Like, what do you, what, what do you use it for? Um, in general is to, in this sound, it's, it's kind of sounds bad, but like, as, uh, I, this is, we're, we're cool here. As a, as a black, as a, as a six foot tall, 230 pound black guy, right? Like you, it's, it's not necessarily that you use it to soften things, but you do tend to, tend to use it to soften things. I don't mean to do that, but I always think about that when I'm, writing comedy or putting something together like yeah it's turn i like turning ideas that seem harsh or bad in and making them lighter um okay again that sounds racist when i say it like that because no. I'm making lighter. <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah but you know what i'm saying like you're making something that that seems off and and or seems intimidating and making it lighter we we just got off of quarantine um, we have a million people affected, multiple hundreds of thousands of people have died, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to incorporate coronavirus into a set yeah. because I think people need to laugh at some point in time about something that's tragic, mm. um, about something that's bad that's happening. Yeah. Um, things that, are, that seem off-putting to people, I like making cracks about because it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, and even if it is that bad, you know, finding a way to get through it or see it as less of a mo less of a mountain yeah. uh, makes it mountain easier to climb. You, know, someone's grandma dying, like obviously I'm not gonna make a crack about someone's grandma dying, right? But you can make a crack about how that person lived. You know, yeah. my my father-in-law recently passed away, and like it was such a big deal for my wife and her sisters and my mother-in-law. It was so it was so bad. Um, for them. And I think about me being there and trying to be a part of it. And I wasn't, you know, obviously not making fun of like the way the man passed away or something like that. But sure. like I, the whole entire time, like, you remember that time that your dad like did that thing and it was hilarious and like, yeah, and we did this, like remembering what was good about it or what makes that dark time a little bit lighter. Yeah. Um, those are the things I, I tend to do. If you, I mean, you, you see my Facebook status is literally like, here's something bad that happened or here's something that's really off-putting for a lot of people. Yeah. Here's the way I like to look at it. Yeah. Um, that kind of a thing. I think that's so powerful. And, it, and you're right. It disarms people a little bit to say. Yeah. And I've said for years, like, you know, my parents went through a divorce or things were weird with my father. You know, like, I mm. use comedy not to just, like, laugh it off, not to address it, but to address it head on. To address um, it. Yeah. And it's, and so I've always said like, if you can laugh about it, then it hasn't beaten you. You know, if you have, yeah. 
you know, some disorder or, you know, and you find a way mm-hmm. to like, and, and it's different if you're making fun of other people's issues, but if you make fun of your own right. things, um, you know, it's like, okay, th- it hasn't beaten you like this thing you're going through. And that's why I think it is powerful to talk about re- current events and, and to find the humor in it. Cause especially, I mean, you live in DC, it's like, you know, nonstop news coming out of there. And it, and it's hilarious when you stop and yeah. look back at how angry somebody's getting over something. <laughs> it's really pretty funny. Um, yeah. But you're exactly right, man. Like the power to just laugh is, is something that not only uh, benefits people, it's something that we need. Um, and so I appreciate you being on the show. And yeah, um, I wanted, yeah, we'll do it again for sure. There's so much more we could talk about. I, I do want to talk about um, you know, satire, current events, that kind of stuff. But where, where can people check out your, your stuff or online? Um, yeah, no. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, at Chromerzone, C-R-O-M-E-R-Z-O-M-E. Okay. And I'll have uh, this information. KyleKromer.com, yeah. Like, in, the, I, uh, I got, in the episode bio, just check it out. And we'll put it in the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check, check me out at any point in time. Please leave a message, leave a comment. Uh, if something, if you think something's funny, tell me it's funny. If you don't think it's funny, tell me it's not funny. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? There you go. Kyle, man, thanks Thanks for your time today. And we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, man, no problem. Anytime.